Hey, hey, hey. What's up, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Yeah, I am in the building. Yes, a change in time, Bobby. Thank you for joining. Appreciate it. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, we are live on Facebook. We are recording for our podcast. We are recording for YouTube. We are building community one broadcast at a time. And while I'm at it, let me just let y'all know I'm rooting for everybody black. Georgia, stand up. Uh, Mama Lovey, always good to see you. Yes, from the mile high. I was just talking with a beloved today saying, as soon as it's free and clear and safe to travel, the first places I'm going, New York to Denver to LA. Yes, ma'am. Y'all know I love to travel. Love to travel. What's up, Tony? What's up, my beautiful sister? Love you dearly. Hey, Mother Carolyn. Good to see ya in the building. Yeah, yeah. You loving the shirt? You loving the shirt? Yeah, because I'm rooting for everybody black. Ain't, ain't nobody else rooting for us, so we got to do it for ourselves, right? We got to make this happen. So, you know, I'm in the building. It's Rev T. It's Tawana, your host and your curator. Y'all know how this goes. You, you know, build some dialogue in the comment. comments. will engage. We'll, we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about and we that's how we build community this is just not about me talking for a solid 30 minutes it is about us um inserting other thoughts and other narratives into the conversation while centering black lives and black experiences right hey cordio my little buttercup what's going on so that's one thing I want to start with, you know, the, the work that I do, the work that we do with Soul to Soul, the work that I do with uh, Breast Cancer Awareness, with Stomp Out Breast Cancer Foundation, or uh, Domestic Violence Awareness. Um, I, I center, I'm a Black woman, and, and I only know how to show up as a Black woman. Um, my experience, my culture, my practices, spiritual practices, um, family traditions, rituals, all of that, I'm centering this Black woman. And it does not mean that I am trying to create another elitist norm to disregard or dismiss or degrade others if you are non-Black. But right now in this moment, (laughs) I will center Black women the black diaspora, that experience, black women, black black men, black beloveds, centering that. We all have something to learn. We all have something to share. So our our overarching topic for today is um, do we just throw it all away? So that that can be that can really manifest in many different ways, right? So 2020, do we throw it all away? For me, no, because I've been teaching and preaching and sharing, and we've been engaging in conversation about um, the good that comes out of our challenges, the, the good that has come out of my diagnosis, the good that comes out of 
the storms that we, the physical storms that we may experience and how it can be a clearing so we could see clearer. Um, some things are moved out of our way so that we can do things differently and have better vision. And we were all preaching and talking and excited about 2020 year. It's going to be my year, clear vision, clearing out some stuff. We didn't know it was going to be like this. Right. So sometimes, you know, some things will happen, but do we just throw it all away? And I offer to you today this word called discernment. D-I-S-C-E-R-N-M-E-N-T. Discernment. So we got to think about not using this broad brush to say when things are jacked up and they've been jacked up for a long time that we just throw it all away. For instance, I was watching The View this morning and Michael J. Fox was on The View and it brought me to tears. Not that I felt sorry for him. Um, there was this, this curiosity, this connection that I was making with him, with his struggle. And he's always been, for, for what I've known and, and how he has shown up publicly, he has always been an optimist. And his new book, his best-selling book um, is, you know, he's called, they call it a cranky book because he's not okay. And he is frustrated. Like he has Parkinson's, and then something happened in his home where he fell and shattered his arm and he had like a WTF moment. Like, I don't feel any optimism right now. Like, when is this going to stop? And we do have those moments. And it does not negate the 30 plus years of marriage with his wife, his four children, you know, his public uh, speaking out for Parkinson awareness, his t TV success, movie, movie success. So we don't just throw everything away, right? We have to discern what we hold on to. And this is the beauty about being Black, because we insert this narrative of what we call Sankofa, go back and fetch it. And the bird, the, 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 um, the communicator, um, some call it a symbol, but the communicator is a bird looking back with an egg in its mouth. And the egg represents something that's giving life, new life or something that already exists that's giving life. So we have to discern what we are going back to fetch. Not only do we have this beautiful Sankofa moment as the Black diaspora, we also have this Ubuntu, Ubuntu moment. U-B-U-N-T-U, right? This Ubuntu moment where I am because you are, you are, therefore I am. So when you have a WTF moment, I'm having a WTF moment because I'm not good if my beloved is not good. So what can we do together without throwing it all away? Or if I make a mistake, in white dominant culture, it says that you are the mistake. In our Black diaspora, we say, baby, you've made a mistake. What have you, what opportunity do you have to learn from it? Where you don't have to walk around with guilt and shame, and you don't have to live and walk with your head held down low, that you can hold your head high and say, yes, 
these were the decisions that I've made with the information that I had before me, and now I know better, so I commit to doing better. Discernment, discerning what's giving me life, discerning what's good for me, discerning what's going to build me up and not tear me down. Or there are times when you things need to be torn down in your life only to be rebuilt with new material and new tools and new circles and new villages and new tribes and new people in your world to share with you. Right? I, <laughs> Mama Love, you said, where do you get all of these great shirts? Listen, I was just talking to Mama, <laughs> Mother Carolyn the other day, and I said, I'm going to have to stop buying shirts. It's, it's, it's almost sick. Like, <laughs> I find shirts, and Mama Lovey, I just find the shirts. So for those of you who will listen later and not actually watch this, I'm wearing a shirt. I'm rooting for everybody Black, and it's actually what Issa Rae said. Can, let me see. Issa Rae, there it is. Issa Rae said during one of the um, award shows. So I keep buying shirts because I love t-shirts. Even when I used to preach, I didn't preach many times in the traditional garb, if you will. I, I wore statement shirts. That's, that's just who I am. So for the Black diaspora, right? Uh... Yes. So for the Black diaspora, right, we we come with a different mindset. Y'all hit me up in the comments to make sure I am not frozen or having, we've been having some storms and stuff in this area. So our internet has been going a little crazy, just a little. So just let me know I'm still here and rocking with y'all. So do we just throw it all away? No, we can rebuild. We can reimagine. We can dream. We can come together and, and make things happen, right? We can come together and recreate and be the beautiful co-creators that we are, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Tanisha says she's wearing her Blacknificent shirt. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to start a t-shirt movement. Keep buying the shirt. It's that's your signature statement. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to need a budget, though. <laughs> I'm trying to pay for school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a budget. I'm going to need a budget. So anyway, um, so that discernment, you know, do we just throw it all away? So in my studies, many of you know I'm a, uh, know that I'm a PhD candidate and I have been working and writing and working on chapters one, two, and three of my dissertation so that can be approved so I can go on and do the necessary research that centers Black women. I'm doing my PhD on um, the impact of womanness leading um, the end, ending anti-Black racism um, to liberate the oppressed and the oppressor. So basically black women leading white people to dismantle white supremacy and so on and so forth. So, so, oh, Mother Carolyn, bless you. I'm gonna put up my, all of our different ways you can contribute. I'll be happy to put that up. Thank you, thank you. So, um, so in, in my studies, I came across, um, Paulo Freire is one of my favorite. His book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, 
is right there next to my uh, sacred text, Christian traditional text. That's a part of my sacred text, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, The Shack, um, any womanist <laughs> book by the late Reverend Dr. Uh, Katie Cannon and Tony Martin, all of those sacred texts are a part of my my library and my go-to. So Paolo Fieri talks about this thing called epistemological curiosity. Now, epistemological is pretty much how we show up in the world, who we be, our experiences in the world. And he talks about this epistemological curiosity, right? So this is one of the ways that we um, break down, you know, uh, some of the the unknowns that cause us when we don't know something, we tend to shy away from it, we dismiss it, we disrespect it, we dehumanize it. That happens more often in white dominant culture, not white people per se, because we have people of color who have this white dominant thought. We just saw this in the election, like in Florida, where there are some who are would normally be considered people of color and they ascribe to whiteness another broadcast. So with this epistemological curiosity, it's really digging deep and being curious about another and not necessarily being judgmental. So instead of me throwing all of you away, um, all of you, like each one, your whole body, your whole being, and just throwing it away, I have this curiosity about you where I want to dig deeper. I want to get to know how you make your informed decision and what information do you have to make these decisions and so on and so forth. Or how do you decide to show up in the world? Those things are are pivotal and very important in building community, especially when the communities are coming from um, disparate places, right? When those communities... uh, experience different things, but there are some commonalities there that can bring us together. Now, let me pause right there for a moment, because that does not mean that everybody will have a seat at my table. That does not mean that I have this epistemological curiosity about everybody, because there are some people who are gone and they need to stay gone. Period. Full stop. What I'm concerned about is that discernment, discerning who is in my life. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have a disagreement. It doesn't have to be an argument, but we can agree to disagree. We may not even talk for a minute. You know, we might have some beef just for a little while because we're human. And we come with different things and different experiences. And there are some times when things will, will upset me over here and you're the closest thing to me and I take it out on you. Not consciously, but subconsciously sometimes. Not intentionally, but unintentionally, right? So with that epistem- epistemological curiosity, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't want to send the wrong message that that is automatic and that happens for everybody. And everyone deserves your deep thought and your presence, right? Mother Carolyn said, thank you for the clarification and how to discern who belongs at the table. Absolutely. Um, let, let me just talk about this. Um, so when 
when I was going through my um, domestic violence relationship and I left and escaped and moved to different states and did all of that, I, I knew that in my heart that I never needed to lay eyes on this person ever again in my life. Yet I was able to forgive years later it didn't happen the day that I was further victimized in court. It didn't happen when we had to put up signs all over the campus and in the church with his picture. It didn't happen when he called me 200 times in one day to the point where I had to get a new phone, a, a, a new phone and a new phone number because I had to keep that number to keep a record so that I can show the police that he was harassing me and using terroristic threats but I knew that he would never have a seat at my table. If, if you are healed and redeemed and transformed, good for you guy. Yeah, thumbs up, away from me. Not six feet, not 10 feet, a whole global dimension away, right? So he, he doesn't deserve, didn't deserve and doesn't deserve a seat at my table. Then there are times when someone does something and repents and is truly sorry for their misdoings. That's the preacher in me, right? <laughs> and they name what it is that they could possibly do to redeem themselves. So that's what an apology, like the different forms of an apology. It's not, I'm sorry um, if I hurt you. That's not an apology. I'm sorry for hurting you. These are the words that I said, and clearly you just told me, believe somebody when they tell you, you, I just hurt you, and I am sorry. So what can I do, even if you don't have the answer, what can I do to mend this relationship, or at least mend it to the point where we can both walk away with um, a clean heart and not be um, disgruntled, right? because some things need to go, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm throwing all of you away. I'm sending you away, if you will, with love and unconditional positive regard. I'm not gonna throw you all away because you know what? I don't want you to throw me away because I am not perfect. And I have done some things and said some things and done some hurtful things to some people and I am heartily sorry and had to come to terms with that with certain people if I had an opportunity. And I'm grateful that they didn't throw me away because that's what I knew at the time. I was making the decision based on what I knew in the moment. And oftentimes we find ourselves where like I didn't love myself enough to have my own epistemological curiosity. Sometimes you gotta dig deep within yourself to be curious about yourself, to be curious about how did this experience really impact me to the point where it is impacting my relationships? What is happening inside of me that is causing me or prompting me to make the decisions that I am making that are not the best decisions for me. 
So that forgiveness is not always for somebody else. Oftentimes it's for self. That 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 curiosity is not only for other people, it's it's for self. Because if I learn how to do it myself, if I learn how to love myself, if I learn how to be gracious with myself, if I learn how to be curious about myself, if I learn how to come to terms with a heinous past, if I learn how to come to terms with all of the stuff that I've been through, when I learn how to come to terms with this body and this essence and this experience and this divinity right here, then and maybe then, we can sit at the table and we can have conversation and dialogue. And then even then, if I give that a try and it doesn't work, then at least I know that I'm operating from a healthy space and not necessarily operating from a place of hate and then making that decision out of hate on somebody else. Does that make sense? We just don't throw it all away. We don't throw people away. That's very white dominant thought. That, that's very privileged thought. That's, that's supremacist thought. When, when, when we center black experiences and black lives, we are not doing it to demean others. We are doing it because in this nation for 400 plus years, we have been discarded, we have been dehumanized, we have been raped, we have been lynched, burned, state-sanctioned murder, incarcerated, impoverished, not afforded decent, decent, decent education, um, locked out of the wealth of the housing market and invest. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. Health disparities. Come on, somebody. So we can't allow that to spoil and poison who we are. So it's important for us to have our own curiosity about what about that is making me make the decisions or making me who I am. Guess what? It's not. It's not. Regina Groff said, it takes emotional and spiritual strength to look inward and come to terms with the truth. Some people don't want to know the truth. I had to come to terms with the truth. I had to come to terms with my upbringing. I had to come to terms with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I had to come to terms with being a young mother. There were times when I used to, you know, lie about my age because I was ashamed that I was a young mother. I don't do that anymore. And I haven't done that for a long time because I am very, very grateful because my daughter saved my life. I was living a life like a double life. I got straight A's in school and was excelling in school. But on them streets, I had to be street smart. But I was also stupid because I was doing drugs and, and promiscuous and all this other stuff. And that's because I didn't love myself. So I needed to have this epistemological curiosity about myself to come to terms with the BS that I was experiencing and degrading my own self. So how could I believe that somebody else is gonna honor and respect me and hold all of this together in high regard if I don't do it for myself?
a lesson on what the path to healing can look like. We talk about this often. Healing ain't easy, beloved. It's not easy. Sometimes it hurts. But we'll heal. And the scars, I think it was Reverend Lee Russell Brown who posted this the other day, talking about the scars are a reminder of our healing and our power. I didn't ask for those scars, but you know what? I got them and I got through it and I healed from them. Hey, Tia. So good to see you, beloved. Do we throw the church away? Yeah, I'm going to drop the mic with five minutes left. Do we throw the church away? And it's misogynoir misogynist theology and patriarchal <sighs> patriarchal nomenclature. Do we throw the church away? Bobby said, everyone that comes into your life is not supposed to stay in your life. Reason, season, lifetime. That's just a reality. That's just a reality. But what do we do about the church? I miss church. I I miss church. I miss the community. I miss the friends that I have met across this country, across this world. my beloveds in South Africa and from pretty much almost every state where black people are (laughs) and Utah. (laughs) I crack myself up sometimes, but what do we do about the church? The church where people have been hurt so deeply. Hey, Shirley. Good to see you. Thanks for joining. What do we do about the church? The, the, the good things that I know. No, no, no. That's not where I want to go. First of all, we, we opened up with, do we just throw it all away? Do we just throw the entire church away? I think we throw away bad theology. And if you want to learn how to do that, tune in on Tuesdays at seven o'clock Eastern time to Transformation Transformation Thursdays with Reverend Carolyn Habersham, where she is talking about um, transformation and, and decolonizing what the church has done to us and in us and around us. So what do we do with the church? When do we start uh, embodying a language that calls people in and out when they disregard women who preach or those uh, LGBTQ beloveds? Or young people or older people? 
someone is being marginalized and ostracized in the church when we're supposed to be loving. And the scripture is supposed to be liberating. And yet we take on this scripture that our, our leadership has used for power and control. That is very white. It is white dominant thought. But then there were times when the places were a place of liberation where Black Panthers would meet to, 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 to do their, their breakfast program. Um, yeah, Mother Carolyn, a point of clarification, she said, we decolonize our thoughts and theology. Yeah, tune in on Transformation Thursday. She gonna help us get through this. <laughs> no pressure though, Mother Carolyn, no pressure. But there were places where the church opened schools and opened low-income housing or senior housing and had feeding programs and tutoring and places for students to go after school when they were closing down rec centers, taking basketball courts and baseball fields off of the, the streets and in the parks. I remember when a group of activists were going to Ferguson and they went, came to a local church and they learned, you know, what to do when tear gas um, is thrown at you or rubber bullets, stay together, don't separate, do this, do that. Here, these are the people that we need to call for bail. And for, so there were so many different things, but they came together in the church because where else are we going to go to galvanize our people? What other inst institution do we have where we can come together in such masses and really plan and come together on one accord? We must remind them that, yeah, Jesus ministered to everyone. Everyone. We have to take that back. We have to reclaim that and reclaim it in a way that is Black-centered. There's nothing wrong with that unless you're white. So we really need to discern what we're going to do about our religious institutions and how we are going to show up once this pandemic is over. We can't go back to business as usual. We can't go back to um, demeaning and disrespecting and disregarding anyone, anyone, period, full stop. We can't tell spouses to go back to an abusive relationship. We can't tell folk that you have cancer because you must have done something um, and God is, is doing this to you to teach you a lesson or there's something to learn from it. And I'm sure I serve a bigger God than that. That's much smarter than you, whoever's telling you this stuff. So just think about it. You know, do we have to throw it all away? Do we have to get rid of it all? Nah, I think we can hold on to some stuff. 
Because I, I want to be held on to. I want to be in community with all of my flaws. And I want to grow from them. I want to experience the pruning process so I can do better and grow better. I want to be a part of the vine and the branches. I want to be a part of the roots that meet underground. (laughs) I want to be a part of the trees that don't bend. Or they bend, excuse me, and they don't break. So with that, I offer you today to think about discernment and think about, let us not throw it all away, but let us create that which we want to see. Let us have that Sankofa moment and bring forward the beautiful ancestors that paved the way for us, the beautiful ancestors that are waiting for us, for we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. They've set the tone and set the path like that beautiful picture an artist painted, I wish I could call the artist's name, um, with uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and Ruby Bridges as a child. That's what I'm talking about. They have paved the way for us. So I, I am my ancestors, and you will catch these hands like my ancestors, right? So with that, I love you for joining. Um, You know, Tuesdays with Tawana, we're here to build community. We're trying new things. I did uh, start a a Facebook page to archive all of the videos in one place so that if people miss it or they want to go back and watch something or they need some encouragement um, or they need information about domestic violence, whatever it is, you can go back to any of the episodes. We are now up to episode 26. Um, Formally, um, I went back and realized that I've been doing this for a couple of years now, not consistently, but consistently it started and we're up to episode um, 26. And um, Mother Carolyn said, thank you for a powerful broadcast reminding us there is still good things to hold on to and there are things we must let go. What a beautiful, poignant way to end. I love y'all. I love my village. I love my tribe. I love y'all deeply. Stay safe. Be well. Wear your mask over your nose. Wash your hands. Be wise. With the holidays coming up, we are we we live in America. We celebrate holidays. And we might have to forego our usual holiday gatherings so that we can see many more holidays moving forward, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the artist, Regina was kind enough to put the artist and the link. Thank you, beloved. We got to give credit. Bria Goler? Yeah. So y'all know I don't have all my glasses. So yeah. So thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you to the podcasters that'll listen. I spoke your names, inserting your name 
um, those who are on Facebook, Facebook Live, I speak your name to insert your name into this conversation, into this village, into sharing stories, into exchanging, into exploring, into this curiosity. So we learn how to do this together. And hopefully those that will listen later will be encouraged to do the same. I will see you next week. Remember, we are here at a different time, Darlene. Yes, I'm here later now. Um, I am broadcasting 2 o'clock Eastern time, which would be uh, 12 o'clock Mountain time, which would be 11 o'clock Pacific time. So I shifted it a little later. And I do want to mention this before we go. Um, I shifted it a little later, not only for keeping in mind about the time across the country, but also in the mornings, um, I take care of myself. So I rest and I I don't go outside to walk anymore. So I bought a treadmill. So I'll get on the treadmill. I may make some calls with family or doctors or whatever, but it just gives me more time to just be so I can be fully present here in this moment. And I thank you for creating space for me to be fully present in this moment. Reverend Dr. Regina, Thank you. Thank you, Darlene. <laughs> yeah. So we're in this together. I love y'all to the moon and beyond. I'm Tawana. I'm your host and curator for Tuesdays with Tawana. And I'm out rooting for everybody black. Yeah. Later.